This is like this this question just puts me out just just hangs me out there, doesn't it? Right. This just puts me as a big target. Every part of your question puts me at a, at a target and I will gladly embrace it based on the Bible, not on my own opinion. Howdy, everybody. Welcome to the Granger Smith Podcast, episode 170. Thanks for watching and being here and listening and hanging with me. If you're with me on a Monday, good morning. I answer your questions. That's what we do. Super casual. You email me, grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Make it about any subject. In fact, the more bizarre, the better the episode could be really about anything. We've heard just about everything in, in, uh, in these last 170 episodes, and I will put them in the queue. My only really real request for you is just don't make it too long. Uh, if you make it more than like a phone length of an email, it makes it more difficult for me to include it on the podcast and make it interesting. So uh, let's get right to the first question. I have no order. I have no notes. I have nothing planned. We just dive into it. That's what we do. First email subject line says completely stuck. Hey, Granger, my name is Garrett. I'm currently a junior in college. I started talking to a girl back in early November and we went on about four dates and that seemed to be great. She was the first person to ever show interest in me and we talked all the time on the phone. Right before Christmas break, I got to where she wouldn't engage in conversation anymore. She just started sending me streak Snapchats every day instead of a conversation. I know I should just stop talking to her completely and drop the streak, but we have a class together coming up this semester, and I don't want it to be awkward. Please help. Don't know what to do. Garrett. Garrett, appreciate the email, brother. And I don't know what streak means. I don't know what streak Snapchat means. Um, sorry, somebody have to comment. If, if you're on a, a platform like YouTube where you can comment, somebody let me know what streak snapchats are um but i'm i'm just gonna assume uh with the context clues that it has to do something with a picture and not a conversation so she's not actually engaging in any kind of meaningful conversation get it um so let me refresh for myself started dating early back in november and you went on about four dates that seemed to be doing good uh, she showed interest in you, and she happened to be the first person to do that. You talked all the time on the phone. That's normal um, for a brand new relationship. You got you guys are like getting to know each other. That's normal. And then, right before Christmas break, she slowed down. She she pumped the brakes, um, and now she's just barely hanging on with this Snapchat streak stuff. You say, I know I should just stop talking to her completely and drop the streak. Uh, but we have a class together coming up semester. Okay, cool. Um, the thing is, buddy, uh, this is normal. And although it feels it feels uh, like the walls are kind of closing in, and you don't know what to do, and you're you're looking for some kind of magical answer and some kind of solution. Um, this is because this is the first time that someone has showed interest in you. Good on you. Here's why. Now you have experience. Okay, so that's not, you will never have the first time someone shows interest in you ever again in your life. That's over. That was her. Good. Learning experience. Got it. Got it. You know, check the box. You're good to go. You'll never be able to say that again. And that's a good thing. Next time, you'll know. You'll say, ah, 
I remember when this kind of thing happened with that girl, the four-date girl, November girl. I remember that. I remember how that went down. Or you'll be able to quickly say, this feels different. This is different than the last time that happened. Or this feels exactly the same as the last time. Now I know. Okay, so learning is good. I know it hurts and that pain lasts with you a little bit, but that pain is good. We need pain. It tells us. It teaches us something. It's no different in a relationship like this. This kind of weird, awkward pain is no different, really, than burning your hand on a stove. It's the same thing. Your body is telling you, your skin is sending a message. These neurons are firing to your brain saying, that hurts. Don't put your hand on the stove because if you do it any longer, it's going to burn up the flesh and you're actually going to lose nerve endings and you're going to lose the ability to use your hand. So we're going to burn you right now. We're going to send a message to your brain that says, ow, that really hurts. Stop it. Don't do that again so that you remember not to touch the stove and you remember enough because it hurts enough that you don't want to do it again. Why? So that you don't do permanent damage to your hand. That's the point of pain. So that's why pain is good. That's why we, we need pain. We have to have pain. In fact, the, the, I, I don't know much about leprosy, but I, from what I understand with leprosy, it is a, a, a malfunction of the nerve endings. So you, have, you lose the ability to understand the concept of pain, meaning you could scratch your skin all the way completely off because you don't understand that you're, you are damaging your skin, right? So emotionally, the same thing happens with the relationships. You get this pain, it's heartache, it's heartbreak, and, and emotionally, your, your, your body is telling your brain, learn a lesson here, don't do this again because this hurts. You're, you're not capable of going through this and doing it over and over, right? That's just the basic foundation of heartache. And I'm telling you all that because you said this is the first time a girl has ever shown interest in you. So that's why it feels weird. And that's why your mind is thinking, man, this next semester class is going to be awkward. But the truth is, it's only awkward if you want to make it awkward. If you cut this off, like you feel, you feel like you probably should because you are getting the sense that she is moved on. She doesn't have the same feeling that you have, right? You're getting that kind of sense. And so you could tell her straight up right now, if you want just say, Hey, I know we got a class next semester and I don't want it to be awkward. I understand that there's, there's now some distance between us. So I'm going to kind of pull back and, but don't worry, that's not going to affect us next semester at all. I'll still see us. Still say, Hey, you could say that if you want, you don't have to say that. You could just think it. You could just pull back quietly. It's up to you. And then you see her in class and you say, what's up, girl? Whatever her name is. You. Hi, you. What's up? And then keep walking. I mean, she's going to know. She's going to know. You don't have to say it. She knows. But uh, it's only awkward if you want to make it awkward. I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure I'm telling you a lot of stuff that you kind of already knew. You just needed to hear it said out loud. I appreciate the email, Garrett. 
Next question, subject line says small business, and the email says, I would like to stay anonymous. Hey, Granger, you should come to Mexico for a concert. I think that's a pretty good idea. It says, I have thought of starting a small workout gym, but I don't know if it's the will of God. I've been a Christian for about two years, got baptized a year ago. There is no gym close by, and I know there would be a lot of guys coming to this gym. Keep up the good work. May God bless you. Thank you, Anonymous. Appreciate you. Shout out to Mexico. I wish I could go there and play a concert tomorrow. It sounds amazing. Um, Okay, here's the deal. Uh, Here's the deal with starting a small business slash is it God's will. I don't think we should spiritualize this kind of stuff that much. If you're putting God first, if you're seeking the kingdom above all else, above all things, You're seeking the kingdom first. Seek first the kingdom, right? And all these things will be added to you. This is the straight out of the backside of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. Go read Matthew 6, the back back half of it, all right? When Jesus kind of wraps up his whole thought of, don't worry about this stuff. If you are seeking first the kingdom, all this stuff will be added to you. So here's practically speaking for you in this scenario, you're seeking the kingdom. Sounds like you are. You're soaking up God's word. You, you feel spiritually sensitive, which it sounds like you are. And you're like, God, I just want to, I just want to do what, what your will for me is. I don't want to go outside of that. Then you think that that start there, right? God, I just, I just want to please you. I just want to be a child of you. I just want to do what's inside your will for my life. If that's you, then you start thinking thoughts like, a gym is really interesting to me. The thought of starting a small business with a gym is really intriguing to me. I have a desire to do that. Then you could look back and go, huh, I'm seeking first the kingdom. And if I'm doing that, then the Bible says, that he will give me the desires of my heart. Meaning, not he will give you whatever you want, but he will give you wants. He will give you new desires. So if you start desiring something while you're seeking first the kingdom, then you could fairly say, this feels like God's will. And then test it, right? So it's not hard to test that. Is that a selfish desire? Is it something that you're seeking because you want to get rich? Is it something you're seeking because you want to uh, grow in popularity and power and strength and, and authority over others? Is it that? Or are you thinking, man, I, I, think, I think starting a gym as a Christian-based owner and be able to evangelize in my own gym be able to, to create an environment where everyone's welcome, almost like a church where they could come in and non-believers and believers alike could come and mingle. And I could have some, some set the place up where it's just really, really spiritual centered, centered and, and kingdom centered. And people could walk in and go, something's different about this place. Something's different about this guy.
then you're going to have to talk to, like I always recommend, you're going to have to talk to somebody that's done this before. That would be ideal. Um, preferably not your town because you don't want to come in as a competitor, but maybe a couple towns over, you're like, hey, can I talk to you? I'm, I'm in this town and I would like to do what you're doing. How did you do it? Or what are different paths that you would suggest I could do it with? Do I, do I lease? Listen, one time, Chris Lee, my tour manager and I, we were in someplace way up north because I remember it was really cold. It's like, I think it was in North Dakota. And we went, yes, I believe it was North Dakota. We went to a gym and we almost always go to a gym on the road because if we don't, we're just sitting around and uh, not getting any kind of exercise. So I like to sweat a little bit. It really helps my brain activate. I do this almost every day. And we went, so we see all kinds of gyms. That's my point. We went to this gym in, in North Dakota and it was literally in a, a storage unit. And this guy leased a storage unit, a big storage unit with a garage door, you know, and he set up a gym in there and he set up a membership and he did it the right way with, the, you know, set up the LLC and the insurance and all that kind of stuff. And he had like old used gear and it was great. My point is, you don't have to think about, you know, a million dollar facility because that stuff gets expensive. That stuff adds up quick, all that equipment and the building. So you could just start small, aim small and go, I'm going to start with something like this, this old storage unit or this, there's, a, there's this, some kind of office space for lease or in the, in the industrial park, there's, you know, there's like an oil change place and there's a muffler shop and then there's a, a little vacant shop with the garage door. And I'm going to lease that. It's a really good price. And I'm going, to, I'm going to put my sign on the front of that garage door. And that's my small gym. I'm going to start there. And then you easily can calculate memberships, how much you're going to charge and how many memberships per month you need to cover your lease, to cover the new equipment that you get, and then to be able to have money after that for you, you and your salary so that you could pay the bills and that's your job. Hopefully you could do all this while you're doing your current job and then build it up enough to where it's paying the bills enough and then you quit the current job and you sustain yourself completely on the new small business. That is a long roundabout way uh, for me to say, seek first the kingdom and all the rest will be added to you. Next question, looks like it's not a question, but the subject line says, thanks, Mr. Smith. My wife, Laura, and I are wintering in South Texas, and we just watched Moonrise on Pure Flix. Very enjoyable movie. Lorne. Thank you, Lorne. Appreciate you very much. Next question, subject line says, travel. Granger, I call myself E. I love your work and your family. Super inspiring. My question is kind of a two-parter. I've been working with horses for as long as I can remember. I train them. I teach lessons to kids, rope and work cattle. I've been struggling with what to do with my life since I graduated and I didn't go to college. I had this opportunity to move across the country to a ranch out west and work for four months. I really want to go and learn and gain these experiences. I also feel God is calling me to do this but I have too many worries to even count. I'm only 18. I've never been far away from my family or my hometown longer than a week. 
I would be across the country alone in a place I don't know. My safety is a concern since I don't carry. And what if no one on the ranch shares my faith and I slip? It's a ranch in the mountains, and it's not like I can go find a church. And there is not much service there, so I won't be able to talk to my family as often as I would like. Lastly, what if I fail and I'm no good at the job? I have been doing this for quite a while, but I am by no means the best in the field. Thanks for reading. God bless. E. E. Thanks for emailing, brother. That is not a two-parter. That's like a 10-parter. And let's dig into the 10 parts, brother. Man, first of all, uh, I like this question because I kind of, I'm kind of getting excited just hearing you. Man, I'm hearing you say this in this email, and dude, I'm getting excited. Like, there's just something about me. There, there is a, I have a gypsy soul inside me. That's what drew me to music, and it's what drew me to touring. And I think, I think God was setting me up with that heart so that I could be a traveling evangelist to some level. And I hear that in you and your email, and this kind of thing excites me. Because I think, oh, oh man, here we go. 18, an opportunity to leave the house for the first time ever to go across the country to do what? Well, first of all, something you love. Second of all, work on a ranch <laughs> out west, working cattle. I mean, that's like the American dream that we've had the last 200 years. That's not just an American dream. That's an international dream. I, I have a feeling you go to the Far East and you say, I, I have this opportunity to go out west and work a cattle ranch. What do you think? <laughs> the Chinese are going to be like, that sounds great. <laughs> that sounds incredible, right? That's just, that's, that is a, such a romanticized idea. And so I'm, first of all, I'm just trying to find the bad things in this because you, you are really worried you are, uh, you're very scared to do this, and I'm trying to get on this level with you and try to find, you say, my safety is a concern since I can't carry. I'm like, bro, hang on a second. Let's dive. Let's think about how many times you said God here. You said you feel like God's calling you. Let's just stick with that. Let's just go with that right there. That sentence, I feel like God is calling me to go. Okay. Do you really feel like that? I don't I don't believe you. E, I don't believe you. Because the next you know what the next line is? The next line is but I have too many worries to even count. And the end of that paragraph says, my safety is a concern since I can't carry so let me put that together for you. All I'm doing, y'all, this is what I do all day long in these podcasts. I just read what you already wrote, and I let you hear it back. I let you hear what you wrote. That's pretty much my whole purpose here as the moderator of this podcast. I read your questions, and I don't answer them with my own opinion. I just read it back out loud so you can hear you say it. Let me put these two sentences together. I feel like God is calling me to go. My safety is a concern. Uh-uh. It doesn't make those two sentences don't go together, bro. That doesn't work like that. You, this is what you say. 
Let me correct you and rewrite the sentence to what it should say. I feel like God is calling me to go. And because God is calling me to go, (laughs) what do I have to worry about? What could I possibly fear? God, (laughs) creator of heaven and earth, sovereign God is calling me to this. (laughs) What have I to fear? Nothing. I'm going, baby. I'm going. But you don't believe that. You don't believe that at all. That's why you said, my safety is a concern since I can't carry. You think a gun's going to help you with whatever this problem you are foreseeing could happen? You think carrying is going to prevent that, whatever that is? It's a rhetorical question. Your other concern is out of the worries that too many worries to even count. First of all, I don't want to start sounding condescending here because I'm all for you, bro. I'm all for you. And I just want to grab your shoulders and say, let's do this. Let's do this ranch thing, man. Okay. So the other worry is you're 18 and you've never been away from your family or your hometown longer than a week. That was me at 18 too. I left the house at 18. First time. It's a little bit scary. I get it. It's like, oh, wow, I'm away from mom and dad and my brothers for the first time. But that's what you have to do. That is the pathway to becoming a man. That's the next step. You got to cut that umbilical cord. You got to go out. You got to fail. You got to stumble. You got to fall. And guess who's going to get yourself back up? You. Not mom anymore. Not dad anymore. Not your sister or your brother. You fall down, now you got to pick yourself up. That's a valuable lesson. <laughs> that's something very important to learn at the age of 18, and that's a good age to learn it because you guess what? You don't want to learn that at 25. You don't want to learn that at 30. And God knows you don't want to learn that at 40. 18 is a good age. I think 17 is a little young. Why do you think they make the, the admission into the army for recruitment the age of 18? Why is it that the government picked 18 for the army? Because it's just a known thing. For, through hundreds and hundreds of years, we've known that that is the age when a man needs to get out. Get out of the house and stumble and fall and win and lose and be scared and find a light when you're in the dark. That is a good age to do it. Okay? So that's another fear I'm going to throw off the table. What else did you say? Never been from your, away from your hometown longer than a week. Great. Now it's time. It's time to be away from your hometown for longer than a week. Here's what I want to wrap this up with too. You have this opportunity to work for four months. You know how short that is? You know how fast that's going to go by? It's going to fly by. It's going to be like a blink and the opportunity to go out here. You're worried about slipping because what if no one shares your faith? It's crazy. Are you not strong enough? Do you not have any self-discipline? Do you not have any self-control? I'm asking that E. I know you do. I know you do. Don't tell me that. You make up your mind right now. You say, I'm not, will not slip. No, that's ridiculous. I'm E. I will not slip. This is my God. I will not slip. I've got self control. Okay? 
Say that to yourself, please. I wonder if I, I hope I don't. No, don't tell me that. Uh, what, what an opportunity to go if no one else shares your faith. What an opportunity for you to go and tell them about it. Okay? And then this whole church thing. It's up in the mountains. It's not like I can go find a church. What a great opportunity. A couple of things. One, to figure out that there is, and it probably is. And the other opportunity is, there's not one. Maybe I should think about planting one here one day. Or telling somebody else about the opportunity to plant one here one day. Okay? Starting a cowboy church. Starting a revival tent. Out here in the mountains. Something down the road. Maybe when you're 30, this is something you go back to. But you learned it here this time when you're 18. I love this opportunity. I love it. Do not sit here and tell me that you're not ready or you're too scared or you might slip or you don't have cell phone service to call mommy. Stop telling me that, E. I love you, bro. I think this is awesome. Do it. We're going to take a break. Granger Smith Podcast brought to you all today by Fabric. You know, it's a brand new year, 2023. It's a good time to start thinking about the future. You got resolutions, you got things you're planning, things that you put off for so long and it's finally time to do it. You know what one of those things might be? Life insurance. Yeah, just the thought of that sounds so ominous. There's a good solution to that. If you don't have life insurance yet, that should be on the top of your list in Fabric by Gerber Life is the easy one-stop shop that you need with life insurance and other family finance solutions all in one simple place. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help get you high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policies in less than 10 minutes. Isn't that crazy? It takes less than 10 minutes to apply, see your quote, and then personalize your quote to fit your family's needs. You could be offered coverage instantly with no health exam required. Isn't that great? Fabric has partnered with Gerber Life, trusted by millions of families like yours for over 50 years. So you know that name matters. With over 1,600 five-star reviews on trustpilot.com, you could feel confident that you're getting high-quality policies that's perfect for your family. They also have a 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can cancel anytime. Protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life. Apply today in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com slash Granger. That's meetfabric.com slash Granger. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash Granger. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Podcast is also brought to y'all by Cozy Earth. Man, they make some really nice bedding. They sent me some the other day in the mail to talk about this, and me and Amber were kind of blown away. These products are made from responsibly sourced viscose from bamboo. Did I say that right? All products come with a 10-year warranty. Cozy Earth bedding is temperature regulating, so you don't sit there and sweat in the, in the hot months. Cozy Earth loungewear offers optimal comfort while maintaining a flattering, elegant fit. I mean, when this stuff comes from viscose from bamboo, I, I don't even know how they do that, but it just, it just feels amazing. And it's hypoallergenic and it's organic bamboo, organic silk, antimicrobial, no harmful chemicals were used manufacturing this product. It's really, really cool, good stuff. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer for my podcast listeners today. That's 35% off site-wide when you use the code Granger. So go to CozyEarth.com. Don't forget to use that code Granger for 35% off site-wide. 
All right, back to the podcast here. First question up on round two is subject line, unborn children in heaven. Granger, today is the second anniversary of my grandfather dying from COVID. That is not the topic of this question. It just made me think about two children that were never born that my wife and I had before the two of us ended up with. What? Hang on, let me read that again. It made me think about two children that were never born that my wife and I had before the two we did end up with. Got it. They were both lost early after conception. I'm a Catholic, so life in those doctrines says that life starts at conception and baptism serves to take away original sin. I'm one year deep into audio reading the Bible, the first time I've ever done so completely due to Chad and you. I've haven't I haven't had the answer in there yet starting into year 2 of that is it possible that these children made it into heaven based on the bible could they have surrendered jesus i think you meant could they have surrendered to jesus after only a week in the womb thanks kevin from valley park missouri deep question thank you kevin thanks for asking i'm sorry for losing your grandfather and your two miscarriages um, let me let me dissect this thing here. What you're saying is you're you're saying you're one year deep into reading the Bible on an audio, and you haven't heard the answer in there yet. You're referring to the answer of does life start at conception, and baptism serves to take away original sin. This is the Catholic doctrine. You're looking in the Bible to see if you can confirm that. I believe that's your question. I believe that's what you're laying out here. Um, and and what you're doing, too, without saying it, you are just kind of driving it. You're, you're walking through the unknowns of grief and loss. And you're you kind of, as you're walking through, you're thinking, well, did these babies end up in heaven? Uh, maybe did my grandfather, is he in heaven? Am I going to heaven? And so you you go, okay, and I'm going to search through the doctrines in my mind of the Catholic church. And then you read and you, okay, I think that's what this doctrine teaches. And then you go, but Granger says that we should trust the Bible alone for anything according to God's word. So I'm going to read the Bible and I'm not really into reading it, so I'm going to listen to it, and I'm going to make my way through it, and then I haven't found it yet, so I'm going to write this question to Granger and see if I can just get it straight out of his mouth. And what this is, is a process of the grief itself. So it's good. It's, it's great. I love that you're asking questions. I love that you're wrestling with this. Like Bernie, when he's on here, he always says, we need to wrestle. That's what the word Israel means, to wrestle with God, Right. That's an ancient idea that we, we, we need to wrestle with some of these ideas. Now, I believe that we find our answers in the Word of God revealed in the Bible. So I think you're doing a great thing. I think you're seeking, and I think you will find. Now let's dive into the question. Does life begin at conception? According to the Bible... And we get a lot of our ideas about conception through the Psalms. So I would, I would ask you, I would encourage you to walk through the Psalms. Walk through and see what David says about being knitted in the womb. 
and you will see you'll see other instances. You know what's you know what's amazing right now is 2023. And you could say, you could go to Google. I do this all the time. In the old days, they had what's called a concordance. And it was like in the back of the Bible, you look up a word in your back of your Bible, and it tells you where that word comes up in the Bible itself. So you want to look up, say, holy. I want to look up the word holy. Where does that occur in the Bible? And the concordance will tell you where it happens. Well, now we have Google, which is awesome. You could just you can go, I wonder where 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 it talks about an embryo or a baby in the womb in the Bible. Wonder where it talks about baby in the womb. So, go to Google and you type in baby in the womb scripture. That's what I would type if I was just thinking about this. And it's going to come up and there's going to be several websites. I think biblehub.com is one off the top of my head. I can't remember all of them, but, but usually the ones at the top of the search engine are, are you trustworthy. And it'll, it's, it's not rocket science. It's just going to tell you. It's not giving you opinion. It's just telling you, here's where these, this subject is. And here's the top 20 places in the Bible where it talks about the baby in a womb, right? And then you just go click there and see what it says for yourself. It's right there. You don't need an opinion. You just go, here it is. And, and back to my point, you're going to find a lot of these, these ideas of the womb are really solidified in the Psalms. Um, 120, so I can't remember um, specifically off the top of my head, but here's, here is the whole point of what I'm trying to say. Does life start at concept at conception? We have nothing in the Bible that would tell us otherwise than that. We know that that babies are predestined, that babies are known before the womb. They're known before they were. We know that. So does does life start at the conception, right? I'm talking sperm and egg. The All we know is that the Bible says that God knew us before that. So does, does the spark, the soul enter in that exact moment? We have no evidence other than to think that, right? Nothing. And so it'd be very dangerous to think other than that. If God knew us before that, right? Does that make sense? Okay. Like the, the word conception does not exist in the Bible because that's just a modern word. That's something we like to throw it around, conception. Uh, but the Bible is going to tell us that God knew us before that. Okay. So the long way to say yes. Yes. That we have every reason to think. And the reason I'm even, I'm even hesitating is because... We could say, you could make an argument that a, a miscarriage didn't have a soul yet, but that is not biblical. You could make, you could possibly make a biblical argument, but it's not in there, right? And so it doesn't say that it is or it isn't, but we have every piece of evidence to think that we better be careful when we start talking about that. We better be very careful if we start to think that a soul could enter a, a embryo 
be that a soul can enter the embryo after a certain time after conception. Now, could God do that? God could do anything. Could God could God make this vessel, this tent, and then later, a week later, throw the spark in it, or a month later, throw a spark in it? Uh, it's dangerous to say that, but could he? Yes, but I ain't betting on that. <laughs> I'm not taking that to the bank. I'm not making. I'm not standing. I'm not standing in court making an argument for that. Is this any of this making sense? Second thing, you say. Let me back up. Let me back up and tell you why I even said that. Okay, it would. It, would, it wouldn't be fair uh, if I didn't tell you the the real reason why I did all that t- gibberish when we were in the hospital with Riv. At one point towards the end of his life. He was on the bed and he had life support on, breathing machine. All of his vitals were, were perfect. I'm talking all of his organs, his heart, his lungs, his kidneys, liver, everything was functioning perfect. He had all of his color. He had uh, blood flowing. He was warm. He looked like he was sleeping. In that moment, I lifted up his eyelids because Amber was, he had no brain activity and Amber was worried about letting go of him. I lifted up his eyelids and I saw no soul. So I'll never forget that. I looked in his eyes and it was just nothingness. River's eyes were always so bright and vibrant and they had so much life. They could dance and they could talk to you just from his eyes. And in that moment, I lifted up his eyelids and saw nothing. Nothing. There was no soul in that functioning body. He had the right organs. He had the right activity. His, he was not there in that vessel. So that got me thinking. I told Amber, I said, he's not there, babe. God has taken him from this tent. Although it's functioning, although his heart is beating, God has taken him. He, he is no longer in this shell of a tent. So that got me thinking, God decides when the soul goes in, God decides when the soul goes out. So if if a baby is conceived and it's just a vessel and then God sends a, a soul in, if that happens simultaneously, that's what the evidence of the Bible leads to. If it happens a little bit later, it's possible because I know at death, He could pull it out before the tent's done. Before that vessel is done breathing and heart beating, God could pull it out. I saw that. Now, I'll back up and say that's that's why I say it's dangerous to think about conception in that way, but it did get my gears turning to think about God decides. He decides when the soul goes in. He decides when the soul goes out. 
Because we don't know when that is, we have to always assume it happens right at the moment of conception. Because we can't be wrong about that. So we always have to assume. Okay, that was a long, long explanation. Let me get back to the second part because the second part's important too. You say, from the Catholic perspective, baptism serves to take away original sin. That's an incorrect doctrine. And I would encourage you, I could take another 20 minutes and go into that. I would encourage you to really dive into that yourself. Okay? Because it's Jesus, the once and for all sacrifice that he made on the cross, that is what credits us righteousness. It doesn't take away our sin. It blots it out. It makes us white as snow. God looks upon his son in that moment and sees the perfection of Jesus from the once and for all sacrifice when we trust in him. That's what happened on the cross. It's done. Baptism, personal baptism, is an outward expression of that. It's very important. It's probably the number one most important work that you can do after salvation. The number one thing you could do as a result of your gratitude of your salvation is get baptized in front of everyone. And give your testimony because of it. But it does not change. It does not remove the original sin from you. That atonement happens on the cross. And it is a once and for all sacrifice. Catholics will believe that every time you take communion, you are once again sacrificing the lamb again. And that is wrong doctrine. It's a once and for all sacrifice. And Jesus said, Tetelestai, it is finished. It's done. It's paid in full. Okay? Last thing, last thing I want to get into is your last question. Is it possible that these children made it into heaven based on the Bible? Your question is, the last question is, would a miscarried baby or a baby in general before the age of reckoning surrender to Jesus? Because you're, you're, you're going, okay, you, in order to get to heaven, you got to surrender to Jesus. Is that possible that a baby could do that? Well, I would go... This is this is like this this question just puts me out just just hangs me out there doesn't it right this just puts me as a big target every part of your question puts me at a, at a target and I will gladly embrace it based on the Bible not on my own opinion this is a, this this could really rile some people up when I'm about to say Jesus says that no one will enter the kingdom unless they are born again. Okay? So, I, I understand that the, the surrender to Jesus, professing with your mouth, that needs to happen with an adult, someone that understands that. I, I get it. I get it. That's the, re, that's the result. But see, once again, that's the result of the transformation of the rebirth. The professing with your mouth, the surrendering to Jesus, that's going to come because of God's work. God does it. God does that first. 
as a response of, of, of us being reborn and, and God enters us and God says, God says, you are mine, you are chosen, you are, you are my adopted son, you have inherited the kingdom. As a response to that, we say, I surrender my life to Jesus, I profess with my mouth, I put my trust in you, I repent, I turn away from my sins, right? That's, that's the response. But what happens is the very beginning, boom, God comes in and God makes it happen. Jesus said, just like the wind, you don't know where it's coming from you don't know where it's going this is in all in john 3 when jesus is talking to nicodemus right and so and no one enters the kingdom unless they're born again just take that just use that don't think about the response don't think about the baptism don't think about the surrender don't think about the professing of the faith don't think about repentance that that happens as a result of the work of god first in the rebirth so could a baby be reborn absolutely can a baby in the womb, a miscarried baby, be reborn? Absolutely. Can an old man on his deathbed with dying of cancer be reborn? Absolutely. Can anyone be reborn? Absolutely. It's up to God, not us. So the answer to your question is, is it possible that these children made it into heaven based on the Bible? Absolutely. Now, your last question is, could they have surrendered to Jesus in only a few weeks in the womb? That's kind of like, that's where it gets blurry. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Like, baby can't think. But God could choose. God can go, you're mine. You are mine. That's what he says. In an instant, that baby's reborn. Now, this is when people get mad at me because it's not up to me. God could also say he's not mine. Don't know. But I think you could pray about this. I think you could say, God, I think about these babies that were unborn. Save those babies. Take those babies. Choose those babies. Adopt those babies. Bring those babies into your kingdom. I think that's a good prayer from a good dad. I do. This is what's crazy. Let me think about something crazy here with you. I think about this all the time, and I talk about it with Amber. If we could pray for the future, which we do, God keep them safe, God bless them, God bring them, God secure their identity, draw them to you, that's all futuristic prayers, right? Well, if God exists outside of time, why can't you pray backwards also? God save my grandpa. I hope my grandpa was reborn. God, these two babies that we lost a couple years ago back in COVID, I pray that you, I pray that you took them with you. I pray that they were reborn. I pray for their little souls. I pray that you took them according to your will. And whatever you do, God, I trust. But I pray you took them. I think that's a solid prayer. There's nothing in there that says you can't pray backwards or forwards or presently. All of it according to his will. Because what if he took those babies to heaven because of the prayer that dad prayed years after? Interesting, right? That's an interesting thought. <laughs> did, I, did I just use the back, whole back half of this on one question? I think I might have. Well, I love you guys, and I appreciate you tuning in. And whether you love me or you hate me, uh, I'm, just, I'm just grateful that you're with me. I'll see you next Monday. Yee-yee. 
Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel, hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee yee.